Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes. Ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Andy Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Hey, good morning. Welcome to this edition of the Real Estate Show here on A3OWCCO. Chris and Andy back with us. Good to see you guys. You have a good week, I hope. Good morning. Oh, Staying busy. Staying yeah. busy. Well, I I don't know about you guys. I'm getting kind of the uh, feeling of uh, springtime with all these home and garden and remodeling shows and patio shows uh, here in the Twin Cities area. Can we talk a little bit about trends? But before we do that, let's find out about how your week went. Yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, it's going. So this nice little warm-up is a, is a great thing as well, too. Um, but it does uncover you know the the ills as well mm-hmm. you know once you uh it's it starts getting a little sloppier and it starts getting dirtier and your house doesn't look as good yeah and then you know if you didn't quite get your um trim all painted and uh your mm-hmm. dog doo-doo picked up uh <laughs> you have a little it, it doesn't look as good well agreed i i don't know how to c- beat that comment it's but, that uh, time of your sleep just like your car yeah well yeah, totally. absolutely and the different smells that are in the air this time of the year too yeah. but you know what's interesting too denny for me is i look at you know um some of the things that we last week were talking about that actually a couple uh listeners had had commented on and and really struck a chord with was mm. the concept of a museum room in their house that was a good and, line and they well you know and they we we obviously stole it or recycled it from somewhere but i mean Somebody came along and, and liked the concept of, of saying, okay, how do we repurpose? And so I think that's why, you know, Denny, uh, Chris and I were thinking today we could talk a little bit more about trends so that you can take something like a museum room and, and make it something that's usable, has a purpose, actually uh, makes your house even more attractive. You know, instead of it being a deterrent, it actually yeah. can become a reason why somebody wants to buy your house. Turn it right around 180 degrees, yeah. Yeah, and but in some cases, you know, and what Andy's means by the museum room, it's the room, it's typically the living room that no one ever sits in, and the furniture yeah. mm-hmm. uh, doesn't get touched. But uh, I was in one earlier this week, and, I mean, it totally fit. You know what I mean? I mean, and it was, I mean, there's some really nice pieces in there, and uh, to me, it's it was inviting, mm-hmm. and that you could definitely, you know, I didn't, I didn't suggest, hey, we're gonna do something different with this room. Mm-hmm. We're gonna keep it what it was. Well, and I had a, I had a listing, you know, a couple years back here that um, this this particular you finally got one. Yeah, oh, yes. Good. <laughs> 
Where's the counter? Click it. Um, the uh, yeah, I got one. And uh, we were out there, and this house had a lot of rooms. The the um, seller had, you know, like you said, uses for many rooms. They had an actual piano room on the main floor. They had a living room on the main floor. They had a gathering room. They had a formal dining room. I mean, they had a four season porch. They wow. had their master bedroom. This house was pretty impressive, but yet it was confusing for a lot of people. And I think that what happens is. You know, it it um, you want to make it easy. We don't want to have to make them think about what this room is because what Chris, you and I have, have seen this where somebody will stage a living room as a living room and they're like, well, what's this room for? I mean, you know, th- we live differently than we used to back in the day. We don't have the formalities a lot of times that we used to or the big grand dinners, um, you know, where there's people coming in and need a butler's pantry or whatever it is. So it's the the consumers have changed so we struggled to sell that house because of the the amount of rooms on the main floor that people didn't think they would use staging again chris and i have talked about this a thousand times we had to have somebody come in and restage that house where we actually put the piano back into the piano room we actually, it took a lot of staging then it, it it did but then the house sold oh, okay but it took that um you know they didn't have the imagination to imagine what was supposed to be in all these boxes we had to fill the boxes so they could say, oh, that's what that is. And remember, people, Chris, are, are going, and well, you know this, I mean, I shouldn't say you remember, but the uh, people go from house to house. They're seeing five, ten houses at a time. Make your house stick out. Yeah. Make your house easy to remember, and you know, and, and that helps uh, make them uh, more comfortable making an offer. Yeah, and I think the sellers just need to remember that it's not them that's buying that house. It's it's a buyer that's looking at that house. You want to try to attract as many as you possibly can and put it in its best light. And a lot of times, you know, you talk about staging. Um, I also call it positioning. Positioning your home for sale is uh, it's it's so important um, when you when you do that that uh, you you make it so you can attract the most amount of people that you possibly can. And the fact is is that you can use a lot of the same stuff that these people have. It's just where you put it, like you said, with that music room. Mm-hmm. Turn it back into that right. and move the piano over there. Well, and it gives you something to advertise. I mean, how many ads have you seen yeah. that says, hey, hey you have a space for a grand piano? We do. And, you know, you pull that that you know uh, uh, that buyer in that normally would have probably passed on the house. The other thing that, you know, when we get into staging, I think that one of the there, – there's so many different levels of staging. And Chris and I, again, you know, staging can be everything from bringing the furniture in, you know, at a heavy level to simply having a consultation where that stager is coming in and helping merchandise the house – Merchandising, meaning putting the books a certain way, making the bookshelves look like they're not full and maybe they're, you know, oh, look at all this space and how we could use it. Declutter, so, too. Is yeah, gotta decluttering be and, yeah. Yep, and, and restyling, um, I think, is a big key there. So, you know, I think that there's a combination of things that you can do, and that's that's what we kind of wanted to cover today. Yeah, I think you, you said something, too, about the, that house that had the main level and was kind of confusing, mm-hmm. and that that is so true. When people come in and they're trying to figure it out rather than just enjoying what's there. You know, it's you put them in a totally different buying position. You know, it's because they, they'll leave and they just say, oh, man, what was that again? You know, you, you mm-hmm. can't, they, they get confused as well. And so we've had uh, properties like that where it's just like, oh, wow. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. it's almost too much to take in mm-hmm. that you prep them ahead of time. And you can do that with your marketing, online marketing, or uh, things that you might get the agent ahead of time just mm-hmm. to kind of let them know. So it's not like every corner they're wondering what's around the next corner. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if they understand it, then they can kind of look more at the, oh, my gosh, look at that beautiful built-in versus, like, what's what's that room for? Right. You know? Well, and, you know, Chris makes a great point. I mean, Denny, I think the first showing that we do is actually online. So when you sure, put yeah. those good photos out there and you still, you're actually are selling a compelling story, 
when people come to like an open house, my agents and I, we kind of jokingly talk about this too, where it's like, it's funny because it's almost like their second showing. They go, oh, this looked different the first time I looked at it online, you know, or this, this room is a lot bigger than I thought it would be. It, that's a fantastic attestment to your online presence as right. well. And having a good online marketing campaign, creating that urgency for your listing, having something unique to pull that person's interest in, and then having that open house be available to that consumer to come validate what they've already seen. And you know what? That creates that uh, energy and that creates that, uh, you know, um, draw, if you will, to that new listing. So I want to go back to that yeah. phrase of uh, that museum, <laughs> the museum room, which <laughs> in, in effect is the living room nobody uses. Right. And didn't, I can't remember if it was uh, you or Chris, Andy, that mentioned uh, putting like an office that, I mean, kind of making that into an office. You've seen that uh, personally? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the. That um, would work. It works great. And I think that, you know, the um, in those spaces, like when we, we've, we've uh, talked about, I'm going in there and even changing the flooring, for an example. So if you have a formal hard flooring in that room, switching it to carpet or putting in something that makes it more appealing for more, oh, there's carpet there. So that means we can go in there and, you know, do something different, yeah. have an office, have a whatever. So um, I think that the other thing that uh, really should be taken into consideration is when you have like flex rooms like that, um, what are you going to turn it into? Like, is it going to be an overflow space for parties? Is it going to be the, the, like nowadays kids, a lot of these rooms are gaming rooms. So we actually have the big screen TV and the kids are in there playing games or it's a toy room. Let's say that you have young toddlers and you want them to have a place to play on the main level of the house. You don't want to send them all the way down to the basement. Yeah. Sometimes those rooms can be multi-purpose. You, and with the cabinets that used to hold all of the, you know, China and everything else, maybe now is the space where they put their toys. Right. So, so it's not so crazy. I mean, what you want that for kids. You want somewhere on that main level, but people don't do it because of the mess that it creates. So right. be able to create different types of storage for that room that kind of fit in. I've seen where people have created closets and the office desk is in there. Mm-hmm. You know, so they uh, it's pocket doors and they open and all of a sudden you got your big desk right in there. That that's a great that's one of those things that new construction we've been trying to sneak in there. Like the pantry-sized office where it's big enough on the one side for a desk, there's enough room for a chair, but it's a you don't need the 15 by 15 office. Some people do, but most people, when you're looking to pay your bills or have a kid sitting by you while you're making dinner, uh, doing their homework... A drop space. A drop space, kind of like... Yeah. Exactly. Yep, so... That makes sense. That was funny. We did... um, I owned a construction company back uh, in the... Oh, geez, in the late 90s, and uh, one of our architects, who is now uh, just passed away, but uh, he had this little weird office that kind of came off like the mudroom and then mm-hmm. before the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no way. That'll never work. That's the worst thing. That's the dumbest thing ever. I mean, you need a big office. And it turned into the fad. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it was. And it was that little drop space and where you could. You had your computer. You could get your stuff done. But it was centralized. I mean, they could do the laundry. You could mm-hmm. go into the kitchen. You know, it's, or, or, it's or like perfect. what you're saying, you know, or Denny, the other concept, take that bigger office and maybe it's off the kitchen and you have half of it now as as an office, half of it as a pantry. Now you're adding two more features to that house that people are looking for in today's marketplace. So there's there's lots of ways to get creative. Um, you just obviously you have to stay within your budget. So sometimes when you don't have the big budget, just repurposing the flooring yeah. and, and actually making it more neutral um, is, is the best strategy. Makes a lot of sense. Tell you what, guys, we have to take a break. We'll uh, be back after the break with more of the Real Estate Show here on 830-WCCO. And welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on 830-WCCO. Chris and Andy in the uh, studio talking, among other things, about uh, trends. This is always kind of a fun part, especially given the uh, 
all the home shows that are either starting. In fact, this weekend is the Home and Remodeling Show. Okay. And then there'll be the St. Paul Home and Patio Show, then the big Home and Garden Show. They're all over. But it's a sign of spring, and I bet you do see a lot of trends there as well. Well, let's talk a little bit about those trends. Yeah, well, I think one of the funnest places to kind of play with is in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's it's where people hang out mostly, and I'll tell you what, it's one of the biggest things uh, when it comes to selling, at least from the interior of the house. What would you say? Kitchen, master bedroom, kind yeah. of that main floor. Yes, that that would be exactly the way it goes. And so that's where you should be spending your money, in my opinion, um, is starting with the heart of the home, which is the kitchen, and having that as being the, the place that most of us hang out and spend our social time, our family time. Our, and, and a lot of people actually, Denny, find it relaxing. They get in the kitchen and they cook a nice meal, and they actually find that as a relaxation. It's kind of therapy. Yes, yeah. exactly. So a lot of people, when you, when you have a resource like a nice kitchen in a house that you know is actually multi-purpose like that um it makes it again more appealing to more people when you have a very specific kitchen or a clean you know this is where the contemporary kind of comes into play where it's super clean and there's nothing in the kitchen and you can't see anything that that's a different buyer but i said you know generally like chris and i have talked about sometimes you take that kitchen and you repurpose it and and we've talked about or you actually talked about the like Opening up shelf space and yeah. removing doors or adding glass and taking out cabinets, yeah. uh, you know. And I think there that kind of is that fine line between practicality and selling. Mm-hmm. You know, and t- to me, uh, I get a lot of phone calls, and I know you do too, Andy. But a lot of phone calls that our, our clients are thinking, "Hey, we're going to remodel our kitchen." Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think is the best way? Now they they want to do it their way, but it's that question comes up a lot is that if you can really open it up you know and because what people are doing is they're doing less cabinetry kind of a, maybe a bigger pantry mm-hmm. and then they're doing like open shelving or literally shelf open shelving where the plates sit on the top repurposed. of the shelf. my my brother yeah. and sister-in-law they were my yeah they they redid their kitchen denny by a year and a half ago and we we brought this up a couple of shows back and she actually kicked me but um but their kitchen looks really cool it's right in the heart of their home and they actually did some repurposed, you know, like recycled lumber shelves oh, yeah. that are right on the end of this amazing looking kitchen. And it just draws you in because then it's a it's a, um, a focal point, if you will, beyond just the beautiful cabinets and the beautiful, you know, uh, countertops and all the fun, you know, farm style sinks. It's one more thing to just hit you with that. Wow, this is cool. And, and it's and it's fairly reasonable. I mean, these are, you know. I think fairly reasonable requests to do, I mean, on a budget, wouldn't you think? Yeah, it, it is. And I'll tell you what, the other thing is, is that when you're hanging out, it's where you hang out. Everyone mm-hmm. hangs out in the kitchen and or around the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are are starting to kind of like turn that into the, the whole room where, mm-hmm. you know, there's a hearth area where you have a TV so you can watch that. But the other part is, is like uh, like a bar. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of people, you know, put it in the basement and there's this big bar that you go downstairs, you know, twice a year to be able to use. It's kind of like the the museum bar, I like to call it. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the um, to me, though, if if you are hanging out in that kitchen and you can create some cabinetry that opens and then those doors retract yeah. and you have a full bar there, I mean... Because that's where everyone's hanging well, out. Well, probably not a bad idea, Denny. If, they were, if the kids were kids like I was, I'd probably have my eye on that. So I'd uh, watch where mom <laughs> yeah, has Yeah, you can key, lock you know it up saying? faster, too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, one of the things uh, that, that we've started observing uh, with kitchen designers is they're using terminology like, you know, 
um, recycling centers and recharging stations. And, oh, yes. You know, the technology aspects of our business are really being implemented faster than we can even keep up with in some cases. We're now the old mail station where they used to have the slots to put your mail in there. Mm. Well, those are being replaced with technology centers where they're putting multiple USB plugs. They're putting in a space actually to fit your cell phones, your tablets, all the things that need to be recharged at the end of the day. And, Are you and seeing it, that in the kitchen or the mudrooms? Um, both. I'm okay. actually. We actually have a couple of our um, new construction build jobs right now that have what we call tech centers in the mudroom area, which most people, until we put the self, we have to actually put the props on there. They go, oh, what a great idea. When we don't have the props on there, they say, well, this is just another space for the yes. kids to throw their hats and gloves, and they don't understand. So when you are, the staging is the key thing there. Totally. You got to show them and lead them the way. And that's just like when, you know, Denny, you were talking about decluttering. Yeah. We see that in storage rooms all the time that you can't, you know, people think decluttering, well, I'm going to get everything out of here. Well, you can't fake them like that. You have to say that, hey, there is some storage, but I'll tell you what, mm -hmm. put all that storage in bins nicely, you know, uh, put together. Not many people do that right. or have that. And most of the time stuff's falling over, you know, the shelf and hanging over, but that's that's the part about positioning it. So it looks like, oh my gosh, look at all that storage. We can put it all in. And it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. Versus my gosh, this place has no storage. Yes. I mean the yeah. same room can tell you a totally different story if you don't do it right. But, you know, you can, what you were talking about, uh, the mudroom, not just another place for the hat and gloves and stuff mm -hmm. like that until you show them. I mean, sometimes maybe the stress of looking for a home, the fun mm -hmm. part, but mm -hmm. the stress part, you can't see. Your eyes don't see right. what could be. Right. Yep. It, well, especially when they're moving fast, right? I mean, we, exactly. we, again, the theme I think here is, is that we have to grab their attention. We have to make sure that they can see how we have these advantages over the other houses that are listed. So they want to make the offer on our house, not the other house. Good yeah, point. And, yeah. And when we, we talk about when we go into list houses, uh, you know, we're always looking at what our challenges are and how we can overcome them. And if there's ways in which to overcome them, you have to try to do that because there's other ways, other things you can't. You can't mm -hmm. pick up the house and, and move it somewhere else. You can't change what the neighbors are doing over there, you know, mm -hmm. and those might be challenges. Maybe your your neighbor has, you know, three semis and, uh, you know, seven cars for all their kids, you mm -hmm. know, and that, that that's a, that's a problem. So you have to try to overcome it. But if you have a, a storage room that's completely full of everything and you didn't do that, and then you took most of your furniture and put it out into your garage and you can't have a car in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, people's mentality is like, wow, there's just no storage in this place. You know, if you have a two-car yeah. garage, it has to be cleaned out, yeah, totally out and gone. You know, and you got to get bikes out of there. You got to do everything, and then when it's time to show, you got to get everything. You know, every car out of there as well. Mm -hmm. It's just subtle little things that make such a big difference. I would say, Denny, that's probably the number one thing that is is making the space look available. Having what they like, Chris just said, storage. A lot of our sellers in today's market, they you know, very successful, have beautiful big homes in their. Mm -hmm. Many of the listeners that have, that have talked to me before, downsizing is probably one of the most challenging, mentally challenging things to do because getting rid of your stuff, even though you don't think you need it, you all of a sudden when you're getting rid of it, you decide you might need it. And then it, so doing the downsizing in phases, I don't think is a bad idea. And I've, I've even told this to people before, maybe you want to rent for a year. Try that, you know, going from 4,000 square feet to 2,000 yeah. square feet before you go to the 900 square foot condo in Edina. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just, it would be such a major transition that you may just reject the whole move and, and want to move right back. You know, what you said on that is so true. And I had a client that actually did that. 
they just kind of took their time before and they get they're going to rent for a year and that was it it was a condo downtown and then they just decided mm-hmm. no we can't do that and they went back to the country to get you know more of their stuff because it just i mean but they thought that was their dream wow yeah. so. tell you what let's uh, take our usual break here and uh, we'll be back after the break with more of the real estate show here on 830 WCCO. Stay with us. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And welcome back to this portion of the real estate show here on 830 WCCO. Uh, Chris and Andy uh, in studio. Where are we going to go uh, with the show this time, guys? Well, I'll tell you, I thought maybe we should talk about. Um, when you get an offer on a house okay. and uh, maybe, I don't know, if there's preparation for it, mm-hmm. um, kind of maybe some tips in which to be able to help the listeners decide. Well, let's let's talk real quick before we start <clears throat> about the variety of sellers that are out there. There are some sellers that, you know, when they get an offer on their property, they completely reject an offer, for an example. And they'll just say, it doesn't work, it's not our numbers, and they don't even want to counter. You get the other... Uh, seller that will say, you know what, let's go back with this number. Or you get the <clears throat> the other seller that says, let's just take whatever they wrote it for because, you know, and it's it's interesting how the personality types, we, we really become counselors or guidance counselors, if you will, on offers. And so I think it's important for us to, first of all, assess our sellers and understand, like, you know, <clears throat> I've had it where several of my sellers have been hung up on wanting to pay closing costs or not wanting to pay closing costs. Just out of the sheer principle of why should I pay their closing costs? If they can't afford a house, they shouldn't be, you know, buying a house. And and taking that, like walking through, Chris, walk me through why I would maybe want to take closing costs and pay them instead of just a, having a discount, for example, on a house. Uh, from a seller standpoint, to me, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's the right. bottom line. It's whatever the bottom line is. If they're saying three hundred thousand and ten thousand closing costs, you're accepting two hundred ninety thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of what they want to do. And uh, I think we spoke about this uh, a couple, know, weeks, a couple ago. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the thing is, is that people there's all different reasons for them in which to pay closing costs. Number right. one, the rates are low. Right. And so if they can finance their closing costs that mm-hmm. way, you know, it's not a horrible thing. And maybe they need their cash for other things. Well, and think about this too. So, in that price range, Denny, you you may have a wide, wide variety of different financing in different price points. In that entry level price points, you know, where you have a lot of the millennials or the second time move up buyers, you're actually going to have a situation there where you you may have more than half of the buyers coming in using FHA financing. Hmm. So FHA, they're coming in with three and a half percent down. So they're coming in with the minimums your house might be more attractive to them if you help them with their closing costs. Sure. So now all of a sudden you made your house attractive to 40% more people because you're willing to work with different types of financing and you're willing to maybe even raise the price to accommodate closing costs if the appraisal would allow it. You find your, the, 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 the clients accept your uh, rationale for maybe paying the closing costs? I mean, do, you, do they see it after you explain what you just did? Absolutely. And I, it, what you got to do is you got to explain that from the beginning. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't do that. Um, they just hope. And then if it gets yeah. there, you know, but there's a lot of prep that goes into getting someone to an ex- to accept an offer. Um, you know, someone comes in super low. I mean, just sometimes people do that. You know, there's ways in which to figure out maybe if they're going to, you know, kind of play ball with us or not. But a lot of people get very insulted by that. Mm-hmm. And uh, And sometimes it's, you know, you're doing a lot of negotiating just with your own clients just to not, you know, get rid of that person because you're trying to, you know, you're doing damage control. Mm -hmm. And so I think you need to, you know, just 
be have an open mind and look at it, mm-hmm. you know, and I you never know. I mean that that first offer might be your best offer. Sure. Not necessarily that you have to agree to it, but that you might be able to negotiate it up. They don't people don't for the most part don't just make an offer for the fun of it. Right. They've already moved in Tommy and Susie into those bedrooms and they know what school they're going to mm-hmm. and they know how they're going to update that kitchen, they know how they're going to do that. Now they're trying to get a deal. So mm-hmm. once we we get them in there and you know they're kind of committed to it, we can kind of work them up. So what is your what is your feeling Chris on on negotiations? I mean, see now I have my own opinion. Win. Oh, sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> win lose. Yeah, that's great. No, now, win, win. No, no, the the strat what is your strategy with negotiating? I mean, cuz I I feel that there's Times where people think this is like, hey, we're on TV here. Let's wheel and deal and let's go back and forth 15 times. I feel the deals get fatigued at three times. So you go, you come back, you go again, and then they're like, all right, forget these guys. Mm-hmm. And people just get tired. They just, if you're, if you're not going to pay me what my house is worth or meet my terms, find another house. Um, what let's are your a, thoughts? Let's on add that? this in. Okay. Okay. So if we're going back and forth, let's, let's say it three times. I think what really matters is how long that three times took. True. You know what I mean? So that, that three times could have been over a one-day process, mm-hmm. or it could have been over two weeks. Well, and this, is, this is where agents, too, Denny, this is where I, I actually, it matters who you hire, okay? Let's just put it this way. When I write an offer, get the offer over to the office, delivered, and actually put an email in, put a phone call in, and I don't receive a call back from that listing agent for a day. And then they call back and say, well, my client's available next Tuesday at 6 o'clock, and I'm telling you, the urgency thing kills me when mm. when there's agents that are not urgent because that's our job, guys. I mean, when we're out there, it's our time is of the essence. It says it right in the purchase agreement. We write the offers. If it's available that night to present, you present it that night. Unfortunately for you, yep, you're going to have to turn out the Olympics for one night, get out there, get your offer presented, and then you know do your job as an agent. And, and a lot of agents listening that, that are out there are fantastic. Lots of them do. Sometimes it's more of a miscommunication thing where some of the agents will just email an offer. They don't even let you know that the offer is there. And so unless you're digging through your email every five seconds, you don't see it. But I mean, I think another real important thing is, is that, and I talk to my clients about this, is that we're, we're a partnership now. We're working together. Don't hide stuff from me. You know, mm-hmm. tell me kind of what you're thinking, you know, so we can be on the same page because as you know, Andy, there's so much negotiation before an offer even comes, mm-hmm. you know, that you do, and you can kind of set up that person for kind of what's more important. So for some people, what's important is that, you know what, I I want this thing gone before I move into that new house that I just bought, Right. you know, or some people it's like, I don't care what it is. I'm going to, I had a client, I want the, the top dollar amount mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, we're listing it way too high. Lo and behold, 14 months later, we st- stayed there and someone wanted it. And we went budge, and we went budge, and we got full price. You know, so you can you can do that, but you, then you got to set expectations. Mm-hmm. But uh, knowing what your client wants at the beginning, because yep. if you don't tell them, if you're a seller and you're saying, "Oh, don't tell Andy because he'll just you know just tell them," no, he won't. Andy, I mean, our ethics, we can't. I mean, we'd lose mm-hmm. our license, right? You know, based on that. So you gotta you gotta work together. Well, and, and having a little class, right, Denny? So the the um, you you have an offer that comes to you. Even if the offer, business is business, and I, I understand sometimes we get emotional with this, but if, if you have a range and your agent has presented you with a range of what your house is worth, you list at the top of that range and the offer comes in in the middle so that it's, let's say, it's well within the bullseye range of what that offer should be, you, you entertain that offer. But here's what's interesting. A lot of people, like we talked about positioning and waiting a day or waiting a half a day to respond back, now it's outside of the offer. Now you're actually getting somebody mad at you personally because you're not being professional or you're not responding in a timely fashion. 
And you, you have to be careful because, you know, we obviously have to follow the instructions of our buyers or our sellers as agents. But the, the idea that ah, let's let them sit on it over the weekend, all they do is stew, get upset. And then no matter what happens, the odds of you winning that next negotiation yeah. with them, whatever that might be, is probably going to be a challenge because they don't like you anymore. You know, so it's silly. And the thing is, is, is that the other part is, is that negotiations, negotiations are not over when you make the deal. It's it's just beginning, you know, and so now we got the deal done. Well, we have an inspection. We have an appraisal. We have a final walkthrough. We have two months probably in between. Mm -hmm. You know, so many things can happen. And, uh, you know, and sometimes those negotiations, you know, from the beginning, right. some hard feelings happen. Sure. And you know what? Later on, when there's a chance to be able to go get them, they're going to dig in and get them. Absolutely. And, you know, think about this for a second. Let's say that you did just sell your house, and now you've lived in that house for 40 years, and you think you want to live in a certain area, but you don't really know, and there's nothing available. But now the seller says, hey, we will give you this price for the house, which is in that range, but we're going to allow you to have two months, you know, to, to actually move out. We're going to give you 60 days, so you have a big window to find another property that might be worth something. Oh, to yes. Or the inspector. But how don't you know if you don't ask? I mean, I can't tell you Correct. how many offers I get emailed over to mm -hmm. me without saying, hey, nothing. It's just like, oh, okay. Right. If you'd asked me, I could probably help or, you. Or if that agent that would have pre presented the offer and said, hey, listen, we're very flexible on the closing date here, or we're very flexible on the inspection, or we're inspect, you know, or whatever the item might be. Uh, my builder's a contractor, or my contractor, or my buyer's a, a builder, and they, they don't necessarily need to have an inspection. They've already inspected it themselves. Those are things that are all part of the decision-making process that go into somebody either accepting or rejecting an offer, and there's more to it than just price. And I think that's ultimately what we're trying to get to here is that there's a lot of variations and variables there. Yeah, and yeah, totally. I know we have to break here <laughs> in a half a minute or so, but maybe I should know that it's been so long since I bought or sold a house. If I'm the seller, and you guys both, because I'm not going to, decide we were going to make you decide Denny. <laughs> who would you go with uh, of course both it's of obvious who I, I need that help but <laughs> as, as, as a seller let's just use a seller yeah i get this offer as the seller from another agent and the prospective uh, buyer how long do i have to give an answer back is that written in the purchase agreement is it two weeks two days two hours it's called time is of the essence that's what it states on the purchase uh -huh. agreement and you should re reply in a timely manner but there's nothing to says that there's hey, nothing you spelled get out back to them. now now some people write in their offer that hey we want an answer by 8 p.m friday and the, typically the reason they're doing that is because they don't want it to go to the weekend kind of thing sure you know so or they want to limit the time that that agent that's selling that house has to make all the other phone calls saying, hey, I got an offer. You guys want in on this action, you know? Uh, and, and that's what happens. And so <laughs> one of the other last things we'll leave you with, Denny, is that uh, we have a lot of people that want to list their house, and then they're, hey, I'm heading to Florida. Or I'm going on a cruise, and get the house listed so we don't want to be around for all the showings the first yeah. week. And then we get that offer. So the time is of the essence. I'm trying to contact somebody on a cruise ship <laughs> in the middle of the ocean. Overseas. So sometimes you cannot get a hold of them sure. other than via email. But right. Denny, keeping momentum is so important in the offer process. You know, because people get, they start, oh, gosh, and they start wait, you know, to, Saying no, I you know they I don't get, want they it. get they soured start, on the whole, thing. and they start yeah. thinking too much, yeah. and then becomes you know that three car garage is really not a three car garage; it's just an oversized two, and yeah. they come up with crazy things. All right, let's uh, take a break. We have more uh, show to come here on the Real Estate Show here on eight three zero WCCO. Stay with us, and welcome back to this portion of the Real Estate Show here on eight three zero WCCO. Chris and Andy, we have a few more minutes before the uh, end of the show. Where do we go from here? Let's flip it. Let's go to buyer side for a little bit. Okay. Okay, so uh, from like 
a negotiating standpoint. Yeah. You know, so what what's a good thing for a buyer uh, which to do? I mean, we kind of hit on a little of it, mm-hmm. but uh number 1, I think the most important thing that you have to do from a buyer perspective, from a buyer agent perspective is call the listing agent and actually talk to them. And what would you Okay, so that's a great question or a great comment. So what would you ask of a, a listing agent if you were a buyer's agent? I mean, uh, first of all, I'd just ask, you know, where are your people at? What are they looking to do? And then play off of everything they just said, mm-hmm. meaning that I'm going to try to find out as much as I possibly can, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to be able to help my buyer out. You know, obviously there's there's agency laws and what you can and can't say. Um, so you got to, I mean, you got to be careful. But you know, from a mm-hmm. negotiation standpoint, you want to try to find out as much as you possibly can. Yep. So you know, it's just to me, it's kind of like, hey, I got the right closing date. I've got the right financing. I've got the right possession. You know, now all you have to think about is that price. Right. You know, at that yeah. point. And, that, and that's huge when you can eliminate rather than, oh, geez, i got to talk. This closing date's not going to work for us. And in a seller's head, mm-hmm. they're automatically thinking, okay, that's a dumb deal. That's, right. It's no right. good. Well, which you, is crazy. You know what's funny to me, too, Danny, is that, you know, even though I, I love our industry and our, all of our mm-hmm. agents equally, of course, and uh, no, <laughs> it's not what you the, told me before. I know. I, okay, I, I'm actually, I couldn't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> the, uh, you know, when we're out there and we're talking to these listing agents, I, I get a lot of questions like, have, has your, you know, seller already purchased another house? And the, the good agents that are out there asking those questions, you know, they're going to ask things like, you know, hey, would you guys ever look at another offer other than list price? Would you Would you be willing to look at something below list price? Why not? You know, I mean, and then they may say, well, we can't because we're, you know, if we do anything less than ask price, we're in a short sale situation or we're, you know, there's a divorce situation. And so what's funny is that just asking a few questions conversationally, you will dig up so much information like Chris is talking about that you could potentially use for your negotiation advantage, if you will, or at least to understand. So when you write the offer, you can custom tailor your offer to really hit home with that seller and, and get the deal done. And you can subtly do it. Weird things such as. Um, when you call them up and your client's interested in it, even though your client's not even thinking about renting it, you could say to them, hey, I was just wondering, would your seller be open to renting this house at all? That, well, that, that's can, an tell, interesting. that can tell you so much about you know where they're at. You know, sure. Hey, if they're willing to rent it, they don't really need the money you know, on that. Or, you know, there's just so many things that you mm-hmm. can do, and that leads into a bunch of things that say, no, not not a chance. I mean, they got to buy another house. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. now I got that answer. So a back way in which to get them. So instead of asking 10 or 15 questions, right. you get the same result with two or three. You got it. Yeah. What, what are your, as a listing agent, Chris, what's your opinion of a offer that's full of contingencies versus an offer that is, you know, free and clear and easy? Run. <laughs> <laughs> Run. I mean, no, seriously. I mean, you get, you got to, I mean, the deal's never done. Right. The deal is not done. You, I, you can pay me $10 million mm-hmm. and have 17 contingencies, and number 16 is yeah. going to go haywire, right. and I'm not going to get my $10 million, you know? Right. So, but obviously, there is a, I've got a, a property that I own, and I'm like, hey, do all the inspections you want. I, yeah. I want you to know absolutely everything, sure. but I'm not doing nothing. But to me, just, you know, kind of to really, uh, as a listener, when you talk about a contingency, Denny, you think of it this way. A contingency is like that buyer having their foot out the door. And it's like, hey, we want to close this deal and so we can move on. The fewer the contingencies, the fewer open doors they have. Absolutely. So the offer's cleaner for the seller. The seller may take less because it's clean and easy and now they can move on, right? So when you have a inspection contingency, a finance contingency, a... Uh, you know, maybe they're getting down payment assistance contingency or whatever they might have. Those are all, like Chris said, things that have to be negotiated, regardless if you think so or not. They all can blow the deal up. Yeah, but uh, 
a contingency on an inspection, I would fight that all the time from mm-hmm. a from a buyer perspective because it's good for a seller to have that. You know, and it's good because now, hey, it's buyer beware. Buyer did the inspection, did everything. So the thing is, is that when the deal's done, the deal's not done. Mm-hmm. You got your money, but they could always come back after you. Mm-hmm. So now if they if they didn't do an inspection because they got caught up in the hype and, you know, hey, I'm not going to do an inspection and I'm, I'm free of all contingencies, you know, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a good thing for a seller. It's really not. And if your house is good, mm-hmm. you know, you, I mean, you want to know what that is now. At that point, if they're super excited about it, you yeah. can probably get out of a lot of that stuff. A lot of agents think that, hey, whatever they come up with on the inspection, we have to do. Well, no, you don't. Right. You no, know? no, you don't, and that's negotiable. You know, and it, it comes down to where when you look at being in a, in a property like that, <coughs> having an offer coming in and making it clean, I, I think that, you know, the best bet is to really do your homework because what do you really offer on a property? You need to have your buyer's agent doing a market analysis just like the seller did because just because it's for sale, Danny, doesn't mean it's priced right. That's it could true. be too high. It could be too low. It could be the best deal in the Twin Cities. So when I write an offer, writing it at asking price isn't a mental, it shouldn't be a mental roadblock. It should be, that's what they're asking for. But maybe they're intentionally pricing it low so that more people will come in and make offers or whatever. So, I mean, it's, it can be strategy. So just be careful. Uh, do your homework. But in the end. Yeah. It's when a buyer's willing to pay for it and when right. a seller's willing to accept. That's what the value is. Now, sometimes lenders don't believe that mm-hmm. and they do an appraisal to try to, you know, make sure. But I mean, that's really what it is. And I think a lot of times that the agents stop their people from doing something that, I mean, you give, here's what you do as an agent, you give them the information so they can make a decision. It's not right. about if you like, yeah. it's not about if you like the lower level basement right. or that, that bar isn't big enough or, you know, that cabinetry isn't the way. You got to give them the information so they can make an informed yeah. decision. Well, we've decided that it's the end of the show. And nice. uh, as we're heading out of it's here. Good. I was getting excited there. How do we get in touch with you guys and anything going on in your lives this weekend? Yeah, yeah. chrisrooney.com if you want to. i got a couple seminars, one in Prior Lake and one in Udina coming up here at the end of February and into March that we're going to get getting your Ooh. house ready for sale. All right. So positioning like uh, Andy and I talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. Pr- Prasky.com. Um, I've got a couple of deals going on, Danny. It's pre-spring uh, preview, and so I suggest get out there now. The builders all have their offers in place. Uh-huh. Um, I also have an open house up in Andover on a beautiful executive in Woodland Estates. Um, check out the website. Take a look at the photos. These don't come up very often, Denny. This is mm. a rare, like I would say, a unicorn because yeah. they don't have a lot of them for sale. Beautiful rambler, um, ready to go. You ever heard a salesman say that before? Denny? No, no, but I'm learning oh, all this different jargon here. All right. In a good way, though. In unicorn. a good way, yes. All yes. right. Thank you, guys. We'll be back uh, next week. Hope you join us with more of the Real Estate Show here on 830 WCCO. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.